you know, I'll put it this way. I think that the church as a whole is sleeping. We are not aware. We're, we're looking at this as if it's politics, as if it's just the world's nuttiness, um, as if it's, you know, what, what are you going to do? And I think there is something we need to do. I think that there is stuff that we have a responsibility to do as well as um, a need to do for the sake of just being aware because truth matters. And if we go, oh, oh, I don't want to know this stuff. I, 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 I just, I'd rather just kind of go into my church and, and, you know, say hallelujah and amen and go home and not be offended, not, not be scared. Um, you're in trouble. You need to know what truth is. Okay. And some of what we're going to watch maybe in this following weeks aren't, you know, legitimate. I, I don't know. I don't know all of it, but I know that there's some truth out there that is that I can see the biblical connection to. And so what I'm going to do tonight, we'll open in prayer, but I'm going to kind of talk a little bit about this coronavirus and what possibly might be going on here in the spirit world, in the spirit realm, okay? And try and make sense to at least have you aware of something spiritual rather than just the material and natural. Because I'm telling you, what's going on is spiritual, not natural. It's, it's delusional. And, and you know, the Bible even says that in the end times, God is going to give people over to a strong delusion. I get that now. Because there's no such thing as logic. And we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. But let's pray and we'll jump into it. Heavenly Father, I just pray that your spirit would guide us here tonight, that you would uh, open up your word to us, that you would open up truth, and that you would just give us ears to hear, um, eyes to see, and a spirit to receive it, Father, that we would not, in fear, turn away, but in hope, in joy, and in faith, run towards you run to bring truth to our families, to our society, and to the world. And so teach us now in your name. Amen. I am going to record this. Um, that was one of my little glitches. I'm going to, we'll see how this all turns out. Um, but it's too important not to see. And so if, if you think this is good, you know, pass it on to others later. Now, part of what I'm going to be sharing here tonight, again, uh, Corner Fringe opened my eyes to some of these things and just other things that I'm hearing from other areas I'm adding in a little bit. But my goal for you tonight is to leave seeing, ah, this is a spiritual battle. We need to be praying. We need to be fasting. We need to be standing up and voicing truth to others. Because I'm telling you, if the church doesn't wake up, we are in trouble. And we have kowtowed to the government and their laws and rules and, and masks and everything. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that there is no real virus out there, but it is not what the world has portrayed it to be. And I'm not telling you 
not to obey your governing authorities either because the Bible says we are to do that. Romans 13 is extremely clear about obeying your governing authorities. However, there's a line that at some day may get crossed to where, no, you can't obey that governing authority anymore because they're telling you to do something that is not scriptural. Okay, So we'll look at that as we go, but I want you to understand that when we look at prophecy, prophecy is always clear looking back, but even when you're in the midst of it, it's hard to see sometimes. We can see that with Jesus. There were many when Jesus came that did not realize he was the Messiah, the Mashiach, because they had a preconceived notion of what was supposed to happen, and it wasn't fitting their idea. Okay, It was all scriptural. What he did was perfectly scriptural. Now we look back and we see that, oh yeah, he is the Messiah. I mean, he is the Son of God. And even the disciples were able to realize that. And as we've been going through Hebrews, I think you've been able to see, that's why he keeps taking you back to the Old Testament, to the Tanakh, to show you, yes, this was the one you were to see, because the Bible tells us that. Well, likewise, we're in the midst of something that we need to look at Scripture to see, does the Scripture kind of describe possibly what we're going through right now? Okay? And... I'll let you be the, the decision or make the decision on that. I'm of the opinion it's quite possible. I'm not going to take my stand and say, this is it. We are in Revelation right now. The white horse has been revealed. But I will say this. My eyes are open to the very real possibility that the horsemen have begun. I don't know. Will, time will tell. But you need to at least have your eyes thinking along those lines, okay? Um, the white horse, that the first horse of Revelation. You know, in Revelation we see the seven churches. And it's during that time of the seventh church that the horses are supposed to begin. The horses begin on the seal judgments. Now, the seal judgments, I believe, are... They follow Matthew 24 to a T. When the disciples ask Yeshua, what is going to be the sign of your coming? And I'm not going to get into all of that to show that to you tonight, but I believe that is the case. And when you read it in Matthew 24, it seems like natural current events that will take place. When you read it in Revelation, it seems all this symbolic, spiritual stuff that you can't make sense of. But... I believe they're one and the same. More is said about that white horse than any of the other horses in Revelation, the, the white horse. What is that white horse? Well, let's look at what it says here in Revelation first. It says in chapter 6, verse 1, Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse he who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. So a few things here is the lamb is the one that opens up the seals. This is God. This is Jesus. Okay? He is the one that allows this to happen. He's the one that begins the events. And it's one of the four living creatures 
saying with a voice like thunder, come and see this white horse. Now notice that what's on the white horse. He has a bow and a crown. Now I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But what I want to show you is that this is judgment. And today in church I was kind of thinking, you know, I just did a message here recently that I recorded that I haven't posted yet, but it has to deal with um, do not pray for them. Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, they're all told at one point, do not pray for these people. There comes a point when God's judgment is on them. Their hearts, it's like you don't need to pray for them anymore because it's time for judgment to begin. It's too late. The 11th hour has come. Now, I'm not saying we're there or, or anything like that, but you'll understand more as I go. Let me show you Jeremiah 4.29. This is how the scriptures outside of Revelation show that God is going to bring judgment, just one of many ways. It says, The whole city shall flee from the noise of the horsemen and the bowmen. They shall go into thickets and climb up on the rocks. Every city shall be forsaken, and not a man shall dwell in it. Now, back then, there were literally horsemen and chariots and archers and all of that going on. But this is the picture that I see with this first horseman. This horseman is coming to destroy. It is not God. God's the one that's allowed it to happen because of judgment, but the judgment is coming from this white horse. Well, what is this white horse? I think if any of you have even heard Revelation talked about, you know that it's the Antichrist. This first horse is the Antichrist. He always mimics God. Okay, We see that there is Christ and Antichrist. We see there is the Holy Spirit. There is a false prophet. We see there is God the Father. There is a dragon, a false you know, authority figure. So here it says that a white horse is a picture of peace in the sense of any time throughout history we see oftentimes uh, battles going on and when you want to surrender it's a white flag. He's coming saying I am I want peace. I don't want war. Now based on Thessalonians, Daniel, we're not going to go and dive into this stuff tonight. But just to remind you, if you've done any study on this thing before, you'll know that the Antichrist is supposed to come, and he's going to be one of peace. And he's going to make a peace treaty with Israel for three and a half years. And in the midst of that seven-year period, which is three and a half years, he is going to turn and be wicked and, and attack. Okay? So this white horse is supposed to come in peace. Now, throughout history, we have had many antichrists. Um, Jesus even said that there would be many false Christs, false messiahs. Now, by the way, what, what is Christ? Christ is the word Mashiach, which is simply anointed, an anointed one. And so there have been many anointed ones, but there's only one that is the Son of God. So there are many Christs, false ones, but one Yeshua. Okay? Well, anyway, as an example of a type of Antichrist, Pharaoh was a type of Antichrist. 
uh, Antiochus Epiphanes in the, the whole festival of Hanukkah is all surrounded around this guy named Antiochus Epiphanes who comes in and conquers Jerusalem. Alexander the Great conquered and then he died and his kingdom was divided up into four uh, areas. His four generals took four areas of the world. Well, the one that Antiochus takes over is Judea. And he gives himself the name Epiphanes, which means God manifest. Okay? He was really Antiochus IV. But he, just like the Antichrist is supposed to do, he raises himself up to be like God. He went in, he, he sacrificed a pig on the altar. Okay, we see the Antichrist is supposed to desecrate the altar. Okay, I mean, you can't find a better picture of an Antichrist than going and seeing what Antiochus does. He stops them from keeping the Sabbath. He stops them from having the word of God in their homes. He stops them from keeping the festivals. Okay, he stops them from practicing circumcision or any of these things. He stops them from eating unclean uh, well, I should, he makes them eat unclean food, like literally stuffs pork down their throats and makes them eat it. And if you read the book of Maccabees, you'll just see some interesting uh, historical events that take place to where there was these seven sons and all of them die one right after the other as they refuse to even eat unclean food. One after the other, all the way up to the mother who ends up dying. It's a terrible thing to read, but this is what the Antichrist is going to do. He wants to cast truth to the ground. He wants to change set times and seasons. He wants to stop worship of God. Remember that, okay? It's key. But again, he came in peace as well. At first, he was friendly to the Jews, didn't make them pay taxes. Oh, he was wonderful. And then he turns on them. And that's a picture of the Antichrist. Let me just give you one little verse here in 1 Maccabees that's going to give you uh, some of the historical perspective of what happened back then. Two years later, the king sent to the cities of Judah a chief collector of tribute, and he came to Jerusalem with a large force. Deceitfully, he spoke peaceable words to them, and they believed him, but he suddenly fell upon the city dealt it a severe blow and destroyed many people of Israel. That's the white horse. That's what he's going to do. Now, I personally believe that there has been many antichrists, as Scripture says, but that, that, that there's probably been one at any given time throughout history, that the devil always wants one ready because he does not know the time. He doesn't know. God knows, and so he's always got somebody ready in case he's going to be allowed at that time to come to power, okay? Again, I'm not going to get into all of those details, but some of these videos that I'd like you to watch might start putting some things in the back of your mind as well, okay? So back to Revelation 6.1. Behold, a white horse, he sat on it. He who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him. Do you know that word crown? Literally, not reading into anything, it is, he was given a corona. 
Okay, it is the exact word. Now, I don't want to read too much into it, but when you get a lot of coincidences that come together, you might want to read a little into it. Okay, he's given a crown and a bow. Now, in this first century, when this is being written, anybody living in the culture of this day would have had somebody come to mind when he wrote this. Apollo. Okay, you got to remember, these guys are Romans and Greeks. They've grown up with all of these Greek gods. They've got statues of them wherever they go. Apollo, this false god, is almost always pictured with a bow and a crown. Now, whether or not he was pointing to Apollo or not, I'm not saying. What I'm saying is, is when you say there's an Antichrist coming, he's going to have a bow and a crown, they would have thought, Apollo. Okay? Now, Apollo, if you go look at Apollo, it's interesting who he is. Okay? He's Zeus's son. Zeus is the big father guy. Apollo, the son of Zeus, the son of God, you would say, in a small g sense. Also, he is the healing god. Okay, that's, I think, significant as well. The god of light. I mean, I could go on and on. A god of virtue, a god of prophecy. You look at Apollo, what the Greeks saw him as. It is a perfect image of Jesus Christ, Yeshua. In other words, a perfect image of an anti-Christ. Not the Christ, but a Christ. Okay? Now, he's also significantly the god of disease, who wears a corona. Now, again, I'm not going to read too much into this yet. But you need to store this in the back of your mind. I know I'm not saying Apollo is out here somewhere and he, I'm just saying this is where their minds are going to go and this is a picture of an Antichrist. Again, like I said, he is the son of Zeus. Um, he's also many times pictured with a harp in some cases as well. He is supposedly, he was a god that was going to bring people together to unite them. And that's also a very important key here, because this is what the Antichrist is supposed to do, biblically speaking. Okay? We see in Scripture that there is going to be a one-world government. And I'm telling you, you can't watch anything anymore without hearing one-world government or world government, things like that going on. This whole deep state stuff that we hear all the time. I don't think you even understand. I don't, some of the videos that I want you to see and that we'll look at with a biblical worldview, you're going to see that this is spiritual. This isn't just political, like I said. But when people are united, that's when God comes down. Tower of Babel. Okay? They were all one language. At that point, God now comes down. That's the, what, what he's going to do. Um, this is, I think, kind of where we're at. Is the Bible says we're going, there's going to be this one-world government. They're trying to unite a one-world government. We've got the United Nations. We've had the United Nations. We're going to talk about that later. But it's not. It doesn't rule over us really yet, does it? Okay. 
So just kind of keep that in mind. Let's go to verse 3. When he opened the second seal, I heard a second living creature saying, Come and see, another horse, fiery red, went out, and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, and that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. Now, we know that the red horse is war. There has been war since the beginning of history. Okay? But what's unique about this is that this is a war that is allowed to come, and that does come because of the white horse. They're not independent of one another. They're connected to each other. It's the war that the white horse brings. Okay? So, the Antichrist, as Scripture says, he's going to cast truth down to the ground. I can't help but wonder, I mean, to some extent, and I'm not saying this virus is the Antichrist, but I can't help but think that this whole situation with this virus, truth has been cast down to the ground like I've never seen in my lifetime. There is not a person, hardly, that thinks logically, reasonably. I'm even shocked by those in the church, to be honest with you. Truth is being cast down to the ground. Now, I think, frankly, biblically, this is talking about spiritual truth also being cast down to the ground. But I can't help but also see that while that is true as well, just common sense, it's gone. I don't know if you've heard about HR6666. What a unique number to put on a bill that is, it's the Tracer Act. And it's literally that you can forcibly be quarantined. That they would be able to come to your home, these authorities, knock on your door for no reason other than maybe to check your temperature or come up with some excuse and say, you've got a fever, you have to come with us, you are going to mandatory quarantine. And as they talk about this, go, to go read it yourself. I'm not going to make this the, the point of the message tonight, but go look at it. They'll give you one, I don't know if it was a senator, but some politician was saying, you will have the opportunity to voluntarily come, and if you don't voluntarily come, You can hear it? That is a noise that is like out of my pitch. And you're welcome, everybody. <laughs> what are wives for? Okay. I'm going to have to be less animated here, apparently. If you hear it again, just let me know because I don't know what. I can't hear it. So, anyway. If you have a temperature or something like that, you can voluntarily go into quarantine. But if you don't voluntarily do it, they're going to take you. That's, again, that's not the definition of volunteer, but, you know, it gives it the impression that you have a choice, I guess. And they can take your kids. They can do all, I mean, this is Nazi Germany, okay? Go read it. And this is just because of this virus that this has come about. 
One Harvard professor said that Christians are actually to blame for this lockdown because the, of our resistance, it all has to do because of our belief in the afterlife. You see, we believe in an afterlife. We have hope and therefore death doesn't scare us. And so we are not taking this seriously enough. This is a Harvard professor. Now again, I tend to agree with some of that. Absolutely, we shouldn't fear. I don't fear death, all of this kind of thing. But if it was something to take seriously, we would take it seriously. But these are the kind of things that are being used out there that's already saying, you Christians, you're the problem here. And I'm going to show you some things that are going to even, you know, show that our government is not being using common sense or being um, very compassionate to Christians and to the churches when it comes to this corona. Okay? We see, I, I, I could show you video clip after video clip of pastors having their churches, you know, shut down. You've probably seen them outside in their cars, obeying all the government rules and the police coming and ticketing everybody in their cars, listening over the radio. Um, in some cases, churches have been burned down because people are angry at this. Well, who would do this? Who would be so upset with the churches? I mean, but we got to make sure that the, the uh, liquor stores are open. You know, we got to make sure that abortions can still take place. We, we don't want to interrupt the killing of babies. But heaven forbid you guys go and worship and gather to pray. No. Doesn't that sound like something the Antichrist would do? Just call it a protest. Yeah, call it protest. Yeah, exactly. Bottom line, guys, is we need to remember that the Antichrist wants worship. He doesn't want God to be worshipped. He wants it. Let me show you the mayor of Chicago. Yeah. Watch what she says here. How you do it, my thoughts are, because it's not written into law, it's just a very dominant culture. I think the only way you can do it is a couple ways. One... I would, I'm thinking about an executive order from day one that says, you know, in more legalese than this, this is not a thing. We will not no longer honor this because the way that automatic prerogative works is there's got to be compliance with the executive branch because otherwise it doesn't work. So you got to eliminate that compliance and you make it a mandate. Um, and then you do training, particularly in the city, I'll call them licensing departments, whether it's zoning, buildings, um, housing will be impacted by it, planning certainly, um, and, it's, and, you, and you pick the people that run those agencies and the deputies that are pledging allegiance to the new world order and good governance, and then I think you have the inspector general do some spot audits to make sure that there is real compliance. So this is May 11th, guys, and she's saying that these deputies and everybody, we need, they need to pledge allegiance to the New World Order. Okay, this is the mayor of Chicago right now saying these things. Okay, here is Senator Matthews of Minnesota, um, I think one of the better guys. Uh, there's not a lot of common sense going on in Minnesota right now. Um, 
watch what he says here. And then the biggest thing that I could not believe my ears when I heard this, they announced that when at some point in the future churches are allowed to reopen, they're going to ban singing at church services. Man, I wish I was making that up. That is absolutely ridiculous. And that was the final straw for me. I've called up a national Christian legal defense firm that I know of, uh, and I'm going to be talking with them and sharing how they are going to try to ban singing in our churches. It's time for lawsuits. This is completely an eradication of your First Amendment rights, which says government is not supposed to prohibit the free exercise of one's religion. And trying to say that at some point in the future, maybe we'll let you open, but still in limited numbers, and still all these things going on, and then we'll ban singing, that is just ridiculous. Again, who wants to stop worship? The Antichrist. Okay, and it's not just, it's everywhere. Here we see Germans go back to church, but no singing allowed. Uh, another one here, churches may reopen, but many services won't have singing. California County bans singing in churches during live stream services. It makes no sense. But again, if there's a spiritual battle going on here, Satan does not want you to worship. He wants the worship. Okay, and I think he's getting it. Do you see these things as being beyond the line? I mean, this has been going on for a while, that they've done this. I think, I mean, I agree with you. Church has been asleep. I mean, I told you about that building park yep. that we have. I mean, yep. is, to me, this has been kind of you know, preventing fellowship, preventing the coin of I mean, this has been an overreach of government power since day one of this stuff. Has gone but on. There's no question in my mind it's been an overreach of government power, but... Again, it's not the government. Well, right, yeah. it's not the government that's a problem. It's 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 a spiritual battle that's going on that is active in many governmental officials. I, but not all of them by any means. Obviously, like that senator and and so on. But there's a a spiritual thing going on that yeah, he wants this fellowship to stop. He wants the churches to stop. I agree with you. So I guess my question is, like, where then do we as believers then look at this stuff and say, you know, we've got to be willing to face the persecution come as it may? I mean, I guess is yeah. this the point, like, where the edict comes to Daniel to not pray? I mean, is when they say we can't be singing, or we can't be fellowshipping? I mean, I, I'm well, just asking, I guess you're I think that's that. kind of the point in, in some sense. Yes, if they're telling us we can't sing, I'm saying, yes, I can. Okay, I, I'm going to sing. And this is where I think churches do need to take a stand. We have, they've opened it up, but yet many churches still, oh, no, we're going to keep closed for a little while longer. No, open your doors. Open your doors and get back to worshiping God. Okay, but again, my thing is not going to be to fight the government as much as it is we need to get spiritually prepared. We need to be praying, fasting. But who's really praying? Oh, Lord, let the churches open up their doors again. Who's really doing it? Nobody. And that's the point of all of this, is to wake Christians up to the spiritual battle so that we will fight spiritually. And we do have to have a voice. Don't get me wrong. But I think sometimes we use that as an excuse because, honestly, sometimes it's easier to be the voice than it is to be down on our knees. So...
Here's another one here, no singing in church, restrictions needed to limit COVID-19 spread. Well, this whole spread of the COVID, I, I, we'll get to that here in a minute. I think this is ridiculous in itself. But when the Antichrist strips praise from us, he strips us of power. Now, nobody knows that more than the devil himself. I don't think many people in the church know that, but the devil knows it. Psalm 149, praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song and his praise in the assembly of saints. I could give you hundreds and hundreds of verses that talk about praising God and the importance of it. And a perfect example would be 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 21. When we see that the Israelites are going out to war. If I'm going to send people out to battle, you know who's going first? Okay, the, the Calvary. Who goes first when he sends these guys out for war? It says he sent out singers ahead of the army. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes. You see, when we praise God through the storm, rather than being scared and rather than hunkering in our little corners, but we praise God proudly and loudly, God sets the ambushes. And the devil knows he doesn't want you singing and praising God because there's power in that. He doesn't want you taking this seriously spiritually. He'd love to have you just be, you know, confounded in the brain as far as what's going on and fight this from a political perspective only. He'd love that. But he doesn't want you down on your knees praying. He doesn't want you in your word more than you've ever been in your life. Let's get to Anthony Fauci, Tony Fauci. Okay, Bill Gates and the WHO, the World Health Organization. Now, at the risk of sounding all conspiracy theory here, I, I just ask that you do some homework yourself here to check some of these things out. I'm bringing it up because there's going to be a spiritual significance to this, okay? But bottom line, here's just what nationalfile.com says. The company Moderna is working on a corona vaccine, which they expect will go into clinical trials in April. Dr. Fauci has heaped praise on Moderna and said that a vaccine is the only way to definitely assure the end of the virus. The New Eastern Outlook Journal reported Gates Foundation money is backing vaccine development on every front. In addition, Gates Foundation monies via CEPI are, finan are financing development of a radical new vaccine method known as messenger RNA or mRNA. No way. That's not real, is it? It is very real. I'm going to show you some things here coming up. Bill Gates, rather than injecting a pathogen's antigen into your body, you instead give the body the genetic code needed to produce the antigen itself. When the antigen appears on the outside of your cells, your immune system attacks them and learns how to defeat future intruders in the process. You essentially turn your body into its own vaccine manufacturing unit. Turn your body into its own self-destruction. Okay. 
Yeah. Now this guy's is scary. Now I'm gonna get a little weird on you. Okay. So now we're getting weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, can I just say messenger RNA? Like when I was in graduate school, you had to have like biosafety level four clearance to mess with that stuff because you get it on your skin and it goes into your body and, it, and whatever it's tagged along with it is in your DNA forever. Bad. Yep. Bad. <laughs> Let me show you uh, this Dr. Buttar talking about it. And you're going to see that this is, this is deeper than we realize in just a vaccine. I think spiritually even. Now there's never been an RNA vaccine ever developed. What Moderna is planning on doing is creating this RNA vaccine, which will actually introduce RNA fragments into our system. And what that's going to do is it's going to get incorporated inside our DNA and literally, not metaphorically, but literally rewrite our DNA. It will rewrite our human code, our genetic code. Now, this is basically taking the human system and making it into something else. This is going to generationally be so catastrophic because we have no idea what the implications are. We are talking about rewriting the human genome, human genetic code will be rewritten by this vaccine because once it goes in there, it's, it's not like just introducing X or Y or Z. It's, it's introducing in something that is going to start replicating and it's gonna be like a chain, of, chain reaction. It's gonna be like a domino reaction and it's gonna start causing a, a rewriting of the genetic code within our system, all right? It is going to adulterate and mutate our DNA so that we are not even human anymore. When I say that, I'm not saying it metaphorically. I'm talking about generationally, that's exactly what's going to happen. It's going to start changing how our systems evolve. This is truly, truly the most disturbing thing that I have learned in the last five years of my life. Okay. And it was just recently. Now, article on CNN and one of the researchers that works at Moderna all the way down at the bottom of the article remember these are long articles so very few people actually have the patience to read the whole article but let's just say they, they the few people that got to the end of the article if you got to the end of the article one of the people that works in Moderna himself or one of the researchers blanketly stated that he would never take that vaccine Okay, here's why I think this can be spiritual. Now, I, I know this is going to sound weird, and I don't even understand it all myself, but I can tell you this. Right there in Genesis, what does, the, what does Satan do immediately? He goes after the seed of the woman. Now, I've always kind of looked at that. Yeah, he's going to go after man, try and corrupt them. You know, just the, their their ethics, their morality. But what we see shortly after that in Genesis 6 is we see the sons of God coming down, fallen angels, marrying the daughters of men, and the result is giants. Okay? That there is a corruption of the seed of man, not just in the morality, but in a physical way. There is a corruption. I don't understand this myself. I'm just, these are things that are going through my mind. And I have to ask, why does the devil want this stuff to happen? I'm going to come back to that.
Fauci, it says here in the exclusive, um, Fauci is uh, pushing the talking point that things will never go back to normal in our society until we have the ability to mass vaccinate people, echoing Bill Gates' assertion that mass gatherings in our culture may not come back at all before mass vaccination. Now, I could have shown you video clips of both of them saying this, saying there will be no more normal until we have this mandatory vaccine. Keep in mind that these guys are the ones funding Moderna, this messenger RNA that we just heard about. Now, there is stuff on the fringe of the, the possibility of the mark of the beast going, I, I don't really think that's going to be the mark of the beast or anything like that. But there's the conspiracy theorists out there. But they are talking about a glow in, not necessarily glow in the dark, but I don't know exactly what it is, but that goes in this vaccine that will be a tracer or a tracker kind of thing as well. This way you can easily see that they have the vaccine. That way, you know, you can, you're going into Pizza Hut, yes, I've got my vaccine. Okay, whatever. I don't know if that would get put in this thing. I, I don't know. I'm just saying that those are some of the things that are being talked about out there. It's something to store in the back of your mind. Is that really what's happening? It goes on here. Um, Moderna's other partner is the U.S. National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, um, a part of the National Institutes of Health. Head of NIAID, or NIAID is Dr. Anthony Fauci. So Fauci is praising Moderna in his news things and whatnot. There's something weird going on here, and I could go a long ways in talking about Gates and Fauci and their investments and these kind of things. You can do your own stuff on that. I'm not going to get into that right now. But I'm going to take this to another area. I just wanted to bring up this vaccine. Another area is this. Do you know when Israel became an official state was 1948? You know, one month before that uh, is when the World Health Organization was started, the WHO. Now, I think that's kind of important for a reason. I'm not going to get into that outside of just to give you an explanation, but Scripture talks about, in, and maybe I'll show it later, but in, I think it's Zechariah or something, that God was going to bring them back to their land, and that when that happens, that's the beginning of some some very powerful prophetic things going on in this world. Is it an accident? Maybe it is. Or a coincidence that who is beginning at the same time that Israel is becoming a state. That you've got a good thing and possibly a very bad thing going on here. I'll explain that in a minute, but let me show you a little bit now. Maybe you've seen something called Plandemic. If you haven't, watch it. I know there's a lot of controversy over that. That's not one of the things that I'm going to, you know, be preaching about or whatnot. But I do believe there are certainly threads of truth in that. And I'm going to show you here uh, one of the stars of that. Uh, yeah, I, I believe the real agenda of, of Tony Fauci here is to completely cover up 
the 40 years of vaccine injury and introduction of animal viruses, um, uh, crippling uh, chemicals like aluminum, formaldehyde, polysorbate, mercury into American children, um, severely damaged, causing what I call this plague of chronic disease is, is the, the cover-up of COVID-19. So if he accomplishes his uh, agenda here, which is together with um, Bill Gates to force the vaccination of every man, woman, and child in this country before we can go back to our lives, um, he will kill first the people that have been injured, the 40 million Americans um, that have sustained vaccine injuries. Um, and, and those injuries are the chronic diseases um, of asthma, cancers, cancers, uh, autoimmune disease, Lou Gehrig's disease, Alzheimer's disease, autism spectrum disorder, um, chronic fatigue syndrome. Um, if those will be the first to die and they will die from this vaccine that he's proposing and, and i did hear some horrific things about um what he just described to congress a few minutes ago as far as what they were planning to do with this vaccine so if we cannot stop this um those those 50 million americans and and counting um that have been injured will be buried as COVID-19 and all the evidence of the injury for 40 years and his plagues of corruption will be um, buried. Well, it's obvious that they have been trying to go for a mandatory vaccine and, and that's why they've been dragging this out. I believe that's why they've been fighting hydroxychloroquine. Do you agree with that? I agree completely. And other therapies, other natural product therapies, um, type one interferons that could easily prevent zoonoses of coronaviruses and, and all the, of the, the latest um, pandemics, I call them, um, uh, uh, pandemics, including Zika, Ebola, you know, HIV, uh, you know, H1N1, MERS, SARS. All of those can be treated effectively in a 2000 in publication, 2005 publication in SARS shows that in fact hydroxychloroquine was extremely effective. Yeah, and do you know anything about the uh, idea, and I believe that it's been reported pretty widely in the independent press, that aborted fetus tissue is sometimes used to develop vaccines? Oh, absolutely, absolutely, there are at least two and, and many more um, uh, aborted fetal tissue cell lines um, in, in many of the vaccines on the infant and in childhood schedule. Um, it, it, that's how you um, grow the antigen or the microbial agent is they grow it in aborted fetal tissues. There's one called MRC5, another a cell line called WI38. Um, uh, and, and we use those cell lines, and I say we because that was what I used to do in the lab um, because they, they are... Um, they, they don't have fully developed immune mechanisms in the cell line, so they become little virus factories. They divide like mad and they grow things like mad, um, and not just aborted fetal tissue cell lines, but cow blood, pig blood, um, cells from um, Vero monkey kidney cells is where we grow currently our um, polio vaccine. So we're putting relatives of um, HIV, that simian immune deficient monkeys. We're putting SV40, um, um, a, a simian virus 40 um, uh, associated with lung cancers. And we've been doing it for 
um, you know, for, um, you know, since the 1930s, when we passed these, uh, when we passed these, you have to grow a virus in an, in a small animal and, and, and small animals are very expensive. So we develop cell lines and their little virus factories. So we used to pass, um, the meso, the polio, um, virus, the enterovirus, um, through mouse brains. And, and that's described in our first book, Plague, in great detail in Chapter 5. And those, of course, were the first cases of autism and, and CFS in this country. And there was literally a silencing as all the doctors, nurses, and not all, but doctors, nurses, families became infected. And they were paid off to what today's numbers would be, $6 million to cover up you know, how in fact these animal viruses get into humans. And, you know, it's called xenotransplantation since the national, um, since the vaccine program was started in the, in the late nineties by um, then head of the NIH, uh, Harold Varmus. Um, we do xenotransplantation. We inject these things directly into the elderly and into our children. Um, and literally they have compromised immune system because they're either not developed compromised detox machinery and 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 basically it's driving the plague of chronic disease and cancer we see in our world today so there you have it pharmaceutical industries have um, patients from birth to death and people are dying a lot sooner and um, that of course appears to be the goal now would you say there have been situations in which people who have received vaccines have actually received aborted fetus DNA into their own bodies? Millions of situations every single day for every single child who gets the CDC schedule have been receiving aborted fetal tissue in those vaccines. It's listed right on the CDC. It's called an excipient list. E-X-C- I-P-C-E-P-I-E-N-T. That means everything else in the shot that's not the antigen. That's not what you're making the vaccine toward, like polio, like DTaP, like um, hepatitis A. So all the live attenuated viral vaccines um, and, 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 and all of the other shots have to be grown in. And the, um, one of those cell lines is aborted fetal tissue. So there are people walking around who have aborted fetal tissue DNA inside of them. Yes, and 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 hundreds, if or if not thousands, of micrograms, and many millions of Americans, tens of millions of Americans, since since the uh, since the nineties. So again, she's saying Fauci is, in part of this is they'd like to see a lot of these old people dead because then. It's a cover-up from some of these mistakes of the past and these other vaccines. True or not, I don't know on that, okay? But what I want you to see is that these vaccines, and many doctors attest to this, have aborted fetal tissue in them, pig's blood, animal, you know, monkey, cow, all of these things that are going in us. And we wonder why these viruses that are for animals are able to get into us now. Could it be? Okay, because this is relatively new. Now, that's the point I want you to see in this because going back to what I said, what did Satan want to do? He wants to corrupt the seed of man. Okay, 
Now, these vaccines, they're mandatory. You know, there are some ways to get around them in some cases, religious things. But bottom line is most Americans have had this, most people in the world. And I'm not going to get into a clean, unclean teaching here today, but pig's blood would be something that's unclean, something the Bible said, don't be putting that in you. It's something Satan, I think, would love. Okay? How about Daniel 2.43? It says, and in that you saw the iron mixed. This is, by the way, the statue that Daniel sees, the gold head. Okay? In that you saw the iron mixed with common clay. We're down at the legs, the feet. Iron mixed with common clay. They will combine with one another in the seed of men but they will not adhere to one another, even as iron does not combine with pottery. New King James, RSV, you see this. NIV, you don't really see it as clearly, but I went to the Hebrew to see, and it, yeah, it says this. I always assume clay, iron, that those things aren't going to mix. They'll fall apart. These kingdoms aren't going to mix. But it says, go look at that. Who's the they? Who's the they in this context? I don't know. In that, in these feet, you saw iron mixed with common clay. They will combine with one another in the seed of men. I've never seen this before this week. And I don't know what's going on. I just want to put this in your mind to store in the back there and say, is there something about the seed of men being corrupted that our DNA? Because when we saw in Genesis 6-4, when the sons of God married the daughters of men, these giants, these Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward. I'm going to get weird again. More weird. Genesis 36-24. This always puzzled me. You're reading in Genesis 36, it gives all these lists of names. And then it gives one little added sentence for this guy. He says, these are the sons of Zibion, uh, Ai, Ana. He is the Ana who found the hot springs in the wilderness when he was pasturing the donkeys of his father Zibion, and it goes on to names. And I thought, well, that's interesting. So the Bible felt it was important that we know that this guy discovered some hot springs. Some translations say wild donkeys. Either way, the reason that you can get hot springs or wild donkeys, not even close, is because it's a word that we don't know what it is. All right? There's a book called Jasher. Again, it's more of this apocryphal type thing. I, I'm not going to argue the legitimacy of it if there's one of these apocryphal things that I have questions about as far as you know its origins. It's that one. But it talks about this guy. And I just want to show you what it says. It's kind of interesting. You tell me are real. <laughs> What's that? Do you tell me centaurs are real? Is that what this is? We'll see. <laughs> Jasher 36, verse 29 says, And while he was feeding his father's donkeys, he led them to the wilderness. And while he was feeding them, behold, a very heavy storm came from the other side of the sea. And afterward, about 120 great and terrible animals came out from the wilderness at the other side of the sea. 
And those animals from their middle downward were in the shape of the children of men. And from their middle upward, some had the likeness of bears, some the likeness of the kephas with tails behind them. From between their shoulders reached down to the earth like the tails of the whatever that is. And these animals came and mounted and rode upon these donkeys and led them away and they went away until this day, unto this day. One of these animals approached Ana and smote him with his tail and then fled from that place. When he saw this work, he was exceedingly afraid of his life and Ana and his brothers went no more to that place from that day following for they were greatly afraid of their lives. Okay. I don't know. All that I do know is this. All throughout history, we see this kind of weirdness. Where did it come from? Okay, on the upper left, that's just a movie thing. But all these other things, we can go through the Greeks, the Romans, the, the Persians, the Egyptians, the Masonics, Freemasonry, Satanism today. What do we see? These half animal, half human, whatever. Demons, I guess, is the best word for it. I don't know. I know I read something like that in Jasher, and I'm like, that's crazy. But I'm telling you, these people, the Greeks, the Romans, they didn't get this from Hollywood. They got this because they were seeing demonic things. They, they saw the spiritual realm. Okay? And if you are aware of this kind of... I'm not saying centaurs are necessary. I, again, I think this is spiritual. But there is something going on, a mixing of seed that is in the spiritual realm that I don't get, but I know is real. That's as much as I need to know, is that it's real and it's evil. We can see the Assyrians. And these things are talked about in Scripture too, by the way. Okay, Isaiah 13, 21 says, But desert creatures will lie down there, and their houses will be full of owls, ostriches, and also will live there, and the shaggy goats will frolic there. That word in the Hebrew for the shaggy goat is this guy right here. We know that Pan is always pictured with what? This goat-like feet. The shaggy goat. These were demons that they... He's saying this area is going to be a place for demons, deserted, the wilderness. Okay, Deuteronomy 32, 17. They sacrificed to demons who were not God, to gods whom they have not known, new gods who came lately, whom your fathers did not dread. The word there for demons is the shed or shair in Hebrew. That's... Shed, right there. That is what, if you just do a Google search on Shire, these are the things you'll get. The Assyrians, again, half animal, half man. Like the Sphinx. These are demonic things. These are all countries, all people who worship not God, but evil. 1 Kings eleven seven. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the detestable idol of Moab. What's Chemosh? Molech. Half, you know, human and not animal, a mixing of the seed. And it, 
so as I'm seeing this on this virus stuff, I couldn't help but start thinking about this seed and this mixing of seed. Is this more spiritual than we realize? Or are we just looking at it from a material? Oh, well, no big deal. You know, the bird flu. Do you know where that came from? It was from mixing of pigs and birds together, keeping them together. By the way, the Bible said not to do that in Leviticus. There's something here that I don't understand, but I know there's something there. We're getting close here, but uh, Dr. G. Brock Chisholm, he um, was the first general of the World Health Organization, who, who you know, got this thing started, okay? I just want to show you the guy that begins this thing, what did he believe? What was his ideology? He said, the pretense is made that to do away with the right and wrong would produce uncivilized people. Immorality, lawlessness, and social chaos. The fact is that most psychiatrists and psychologists and other respected people have escaped from moral chains and are able to think freely. And you can go read other things this man says. I'm telling you, he was a Satanist. This is the guy that started who? One month before Israel became a nation. He was a communist. He was a socialist. He was demonic. And I honestly believe that communism and socialism is absolutely 100% demonic. And that is where our country is headed. And what's going to bring it in faster than anything has ever brought it in before? Corona. The white crown, the white horse crown. What's, well, I'll, I'll come back to this. You, you just start putting these things together and it, I don't know, maybe you're not like me, but I'm like, Oh my goodness. Let's see, he goes on. What, basics, what basic psychological distortion can be found in every civilization of which we know anything? The only psychological force capable of producing these per perversions is morality. Morals are what are keeping us from our agenda, ultimately. The concept of right and wrong, the reinterpretation and eventual eradication of the concept of right and wrong are the belated objectives of nearly all psychotherapy. So, I mean, these are the people who want to destroy Christianity. These are the people who want a one new world socialistic government. This is how it got started. I hope already your brain is going to Revelation 6.3. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come and see another horse, fiery red, went out, and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, and that people should kill one another, and there was given to him a great sword. So if the white horse has been released, if that corona has anything to do with it, again, I'm going on record, I am not saying that that is the white horse. But I'm saying it's possible. What will it bring? Because the red horse can only come when the white horse brings the red. 
the next step would be war, violence, unrest. Riots, protests. Riots, protests. Now again, it's not like it's the first time this country's ever seen riots and protests. We've always had war. But there's something different about this now. There's something different because these aren't just riots of people who really are rioting for a cause that they even know about. These are people in many cases that are being hired to be out there. This is something unique. This is something different. And as we watch, those of you, if you came in late next week, come at 5, and we're going to watch an hour before we do our Bible study part of a video. And it's a two-hour thing, so we might have to do this two weeks. Unless you guys want to come at 4, we could do it once. I think it'd be better together. But, yeah, I'm... I think it's going to open your eyes and all of these pieces are going to come together and you're going to see, I'm not just one radical guy kind of saying this, but there's pieces that will all point to the Babylon of Scripture, I think, and that tie in together. So if this is right, what follows the red horse? A black horse. A black horse is an economic collapse, famine. I think we are this close to that. Why? Because of the red horse. Not independently of a white and red horse, but because of them, the black horse would come. Let me show you Alger Hiss. This guy, uh, he was a one of the ones that formed the UN, the United Nations. He was close friends with the guy that I just showed you, this Brock Kisholm, Kisholm or whatever his name is. He was a communist as well. The UN was formed on October 24th, 1945, which is the 17th of Shavan on the Jewish calendar. Um, you know, I'm not going to get into that, but basically not long before Israel becomes a nation as well, the United Nations. Um, they, If you've ever done any research on Resolution 181 of the UN, their whole goal is to divide Israel. The UN, every country gets a rotating seat on the UN for some position, except for one country, Israel. The UN is the most anti-Israel organization you will ever, ever come across. Uh, our guide in Israel, he calls it the United Nothing. Joel 3.1, this is what I was going to try and read to you before. Behold, in those days and at that time when I bring back the captives of Judah to Jerusalem, I will also gather all nations. Around the same time, Israel becomes a nation and what God fulfills he says, I will also do something else. I'm going to gather all nations. And we have the United Nations forming. I don't think it's an accident that that happens. Just like at the Tower of Babel, when the nations are joined, that's when God is going to come down. And I'm telling you, the United Nations is as satanic and evil as it comes. 
And the video that if you choose to watch is going to even kind of show you again, it is steeped in not just communism and socialism. We have to stop thinking that that's just a political view. It is a spiritual, demonic, satanic thing. It is spiritual. Here is a guy named John Stormer. This guy fought against communism in the 1960s. And uh, he says this, Few Americans know that the UN Secretariat has become a haven for the communists and security risks who had been officials of the U.S. government in the 1940s. In 1952, the Senate Internal Security Subcommittee spent two months studying the activities of U.S. citizens employed by the UN. Its report stated American communists who had been officials of the U.S. government penetrated the Secretariat of the U.N. after the U.S. government had been apprised of security information regarding their conspiratorial activities. In all, 21 Americans employed in key U.N. administrative, uh, administrative posts took the Fifth Amendment during the SISS hearings when asked about their participation in the communist conspiracy. He's basically saying American, uh, the UN was infiltrated by communists. Okay, that it is a communist organization. Um, business insider, Charlie Wood, he says this, YouTube, YouTube CEO has suggested that content that goes against the World Health Organization, who, on the coronavirus is supposed to be banned and, and taken off. I know people who have had that happen because of simply talking about who. It happens a lot. This is not fake news. We're dealing with a very powerful force here, guys. One that I'm sorry, but voting isn't going to be enough to take care of. I'm going to show you Nikita Khrushchev here, former premier in, uh, I think he was in the KGB. Well, no, this guy. He says the U.S. will eventually fly the communist red flag. The American people will hoist it themselves. It's like, no way, years ago. Now, they're doing it. How are they going to do it? Through ideological subversion. What's that? Let me show you an ex-KGB agent tell you how to do it. Well, you spoke several times before about ideological subversion. That is a phrase that uh, I'm afraid some Americans don't fully understand. When uh, the Soviets used the phrase ideological subversion, what do they mean by it? Ideological subversion is, is the process which is legitimate, overt, and open. You, you can see it with your own eyes. All, all you have to do, all American mass media has to do is to unplug their bananas from their ears, open up their eyes, and they can see it. There is no mystery. There is nothing to do with espionage. I know that espionage intelligence gathering looks more romantic. It sells more deodorants through the advertising, probably. That's why your Hollywood producers are so crazy about James Bond type of, of, of thrillers. But in reality, the main emphasis of the KGB is not in the area of intelligence at all. According to my uh, opinion and opinion of many defectors of my caliber, only about 15% of time, money, and manpower 
is spent on espionage as such. The other 85% is a slow process, which we call either ideological subversion or active measures, activne meropriyatia in the language of, of the KGB, or psychological warfare. What it basically means is to change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interests of defending themselves, their families, their community, and their country. It's a great brainwashing uh, process which goes very slow and it's divided in, in four basic stages. Uh, the first one being demoralization. It takes from 15 to 20 years to demoralize a nation. Why that many years? Because this is the minimum number of years which requires to uh, educate one generation of students in the country of, of, of your enemy, exposed to the ideology of the enemy. In other words, Marxism-Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of, of, of at least three generations of American students without being challenged or counterbalanced by the basic values of Americanism, American patriotism. The result, the result you can see, most of the people who graduated in the 60s, dropouts or half-baked intellectuals, are now occupying the positions of power in the government, civil service, business, mass media, educational system. You are stuck with them. You cannot get rid of them. They are contaminated. They are programmed to think and react to certain stimuli in a certain pattern. You cannot change their mind. Even if you, if you expose them to authentic information, even if you prove that white is white and black is, uh, is black, you still cannot change the basic perception and the logic of behavior. In other words, these people, uh, uh, the process of demoralization is complete and irreversible. To get rid society of these people, you, have, you need another 20 or, or, or 15 years to educate a new generation of patriotically minded and, and, and uh, common, common sense people who would be acting in favor and in the interests of, of the uh, of, uh, United States society. And yet these people who've been programmed and, as you say, in place and yes. who are favorable to an opening with the Soviet concept, mm -hmm. these are the very people who would be marked for extermination in this country? Most of them, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, simply because the psychological shock when, when they will see in future what the, what the beautiful society of equality and social justice means in practice, obviously they will revolt. They, 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 will, uh, they, they will be very unhappy, frustrated people. And the Marxist-Leninist regime does not tolerate these people. Uh, they, obviously, they will join the links of dissenters, mm -hmm. dissidents. Yeah. I think we've seen that. <laughs> I think we've accomplished that one, right? Okay, let's go to phase two. The demoralization process in the United States is basically completed already. Uh, for the last 25 years, Actually, it's overfulfilled because uh, demoralization now reaches such areas where previously not even Comrade Andropov and, and all his experts would, would even dream of such a tremendous success. Most of it is done by Americans to Americans, thanks to lack of moral standards. As I mentioned before, uh, exposure to true information does not matter anymore. A person who was demoralized is unable to assess true information, the facts 
tell nothing to him. Uh, even if I shower him with information, with, with authentic proof, with documents, with pictures, even if I take him by force to the Soviet Union and show him concentration camp, he will refuse to believe it until he, he is going to receive a kick in, the, in his fat bottom. When a military boot crashes his then he will understand, but not before that. That's the tragic of the situation of demoralization. So basically, America is stuck with, with demoralization. And unless, even if, if you start right now, here, this minute, you start educating new generation of Americans, it will still take you 15 to 20 years to turn the tide of, uh, of ideological perception of reality uh, back to normal, no, normalcy and, and uh, patriotism. Again, I, I included that because, again, Nazi Germany. Do you know how many people, there are professors in universities teaching that the Holocaust never happened? And you go, how can you do that? Well, this is how. Again, communism isn't Russia. This is greater than Russia. This is a satanic spiritual kingdom. And, you know, we, growing up, I just assumed it's Russia and the United States. No, this isn't Russia. It's communism. It's much grander than that. It's the whole UN. Here's phase two. The next stage is destabilization. This time, subverter does not care about your ideas and the patterns of your consumption. Whether you eat junk food and get fat and flabby, it doesn't matter anymore. This time, and it takes only from two to five years to destabilize a nation, uh, it's, what, what matters is essentials. Economy, foreign relations, defense systems. Uh, and you can see it quite clearly that in some areas, uh, in such sensitive areas as, as uh, defense and economy, uh, the uh, influence of Marxist-Leninist ideas in the United States is absolutely fantastic. I, I could never believe it 14 years ago when I landed uh, in this part of the world that the process will go that fast. Okay, so the economy to destabilize the economy. Here's phase three and four together. Uh, the next stage, of course, is crisis. It, it, it may take only up to six weeks to, to bring a country to the verge of crisis. You can see it in, in Central America now. And after crisis, with a violent change of, of power, structure, and economy, you have so-called the period of normalization. It may last indefinitely. Normalization is a cynical expression borrowed from Soviet propaganda. When the Soviet tanks moved into Czechoslovakia in 68, Comrade Brezhnev said, now the situation in brotherly Czechoslovakia is normalized. This is what will happen in the United States if you allow all these schmucks to bring the country to crisis, to promise people all kind of goodies and the paradise on earth, uh, to, to destabilize your uh, economy, to eliminate the principle of free market competition and to put a big brother government in Washington, D.C. with the benevolent dictators like Walter Mondale who will promise lots of things, never mind whether the promises are fulfillable or not. He will go to Moscow to kiss the bottoms of, of new generation of Soviet assassins, never mind. He will create false illusions that the uh, situation is under control. Situation is not under control. Situation is disgustingly out of control. Most of the American politicians, media, and educational system trains another generation of people who think they are living at a peacetime. False. 
the United States is in the state of war, undeclared total war against the basic principles and the foundations of, of this system. And, and the initiator of this war is not Comrade Andropov, of course. Uh, it's, it's the system, however ridiculous it may sound, the world communist system or the world communist conspiracy. Whether I scare some people or not, I don't give a hoot. Uh, if, if you are not scared by now, nothing can scare you. When everybody is saying peace, peace, and safety, right? Isn't that what Jesus said? The other thing, notice, crisis, about six weeks. You need a crisis. From the crisis, then, you're going to provide normalization. This is the new norm. I could give you clip upon clip upon clip upon clip about the new normal and all of this. The more we talk about the new normal, the more we're just joining in on the plan. You know this was filmed? I don't. I don't remember. I mean, obviously, it's a long time ago. So somewhere in there, and we have, but there's a video today that came out maybe five years ago or so called Agenda that some senator or congressman put out. Go watch Agenda. It's talking about the exact same thing about communism in our universities. I get frustrated with my daughter and my sons going to even CCC or UNK or students that I meet as I go out and speak. They're being taught communism in school all the time. They're being taught against conservatism and, and these liberal ideas and pro-Obama this and pro-Obama that and all and, and hate Trump. It's insane what they're being taught, even here in Hastings. It's a communist agenda. And this is exactly what we see. And then, what did he say? To, as far as the crisis, the government is going to promise you all these things. They take care of you. What do we have happening? Everybody's relying on the government for their stimulus check and all of this. And hey, that's going to, well, at least we got the stimulus check. Guys, they're going to get that back someday, believe me. Okay, this isn't the answer. I can't help but see that the second horse of the, the fiery red horse, especially since the symbol of communism many times is shown as a red horse, isn't a possibility that we're living this out right now. And like I said, if it is, the next one's the black one, an economy that's going to go in the tank. Now, I again, Killing one another. That's exactly what's going on, too. I, my brain is exploding. Like I said, and I know I've gone long again tonight, but if I could share everything I wanted to share with you, I need to keep you here all week because I'm learning more throughout the week than I can give you in this you know, hour and a half of time or whatever. I just want you guys, you need to start looking into this stuff. Because my goal, like I said, especially I think after you watch next week's video, if you come early, is that it's going to make you go, I need to be in prayer. I need to be going and studying my scriptures more. I need to stop just thinking, oh, it's okay, and living in my corner of oblivious, you know, just wanting to make everything happy. Listen, I'm not unhappy, and I don't have, you know, I'm not walking around moping with my head down. I'm joy-filled and hope-filled because I know who's going to win. 
I know whose side I'm on. But I have to say, I'm getting really frustrated with the church, with Christians, because they don't want to look at truth. They don't want to feel a little uncomfortable. We just want to make it easy. But guys, you're going to have to feel uncomfortable before you're going to experience the joy and the hope that God does offer. And you're not going to find it through politics. You're not going to find it through your stimulus check. And you're not going to find it by ignoring truth. You're going to find it by getting on your knees and saying, I am going to, I'm going to get up early. I'm going to be praying. I'm going to be in my word. I'm going to be standing up for truth. I'm going to be sharing. And that's where you're going to find your joy and hope. I have, I think, two or three slides, and I'm going to just sneak in here. This is maybe a little off topic, but it ties in a little bit. I'm just going to show you this, one of the symbols of Freemasonry. I know so many people who think Masons are you know, fine and whatnot. No, Masons are satanic. Now, I'm not saying every Mason is a devil worshiper. They may not know all of the details, but it's like, hey, you can be you know, going to a church, a Mormon church, and you're somehow a Christian. This is what's happening. You might be, you know, not be a, a satanic worshiper, but you're going to a satanic church. That's what you're doing. Look at that symbol at the bottom there. Okay, there's a Masonic Lodge. They have a statement that they say, and it's kind of hard to, to make out. I guess you can't see my cursor here, but um, I'll show you here on this next slide what it says. Solve et coagula. It basically, solvent, it's kind of where we get to dissolve. And coagula is like where you get for coagulate blood. Basically what it is, it's a statement that you dissolve something for something else to form. You get rid of something to make something new. And I'm not going to get into all the roots, but alchemy and all of that that they used to do and whatnot, it goes into that. But anyway, this is a phrase that is often used in the, in the Freemason logo type thing. Okay, It is also on this demon right here. Baphomet, however his name is there. You can't really see it, but on his arms, I've blown it up for you. It's that exact same Latin phrase. Okay, It's a demon god. Now, if you go, and I think this is what I had here, the Encyclopedia Britannica, it says that the Freemasons had also been falsely said to worship this god. Okay? That's the Encyclopedia Britannica. I don't believe it's false, personally. Why does that God have that phrase on them? I don't even think it's a coincidence that J.K. Rowling, this person who really doesn't know anything about Satanism, she just wrote the books that are satanic, that millions of Christians love and read. Sorry. I know some of you here do. I'm telling you, I am telling you, it is evil. She has a tattoo on her wrist, and it says the exact same thing. Okay? Again, I could get into this a lot, but I'm telling you that this, this woman knows spells. She knows, and it's not just her. We're, what we're going to watch, if you come, 
you're going to see this is all over in government. It's all over in Disney. It's all over in Hollywood. It is everywhere you turn. There is a satanic kingdom that the devil is trying to get a hold of. And if we as Christians don't wake up to this spiritual battle, we're going to be in trouble. we got to stop looking at this world as if, well, God made me and now I'm here to just go live my life. He's put us here for a purpose and we are in war. we got to wake up and realize that. So I think when you do, that's going to cause you to become more spiritual, to be in your word and to be in prayer. And as I said before, that's what we need. We need a wake-up call. And that's why I thought, i, I got to do this. I can't not talk about this. I've got to be that alarm clock, I hope. I hope that I am being that for you. So we'll close in prayer for tonight. I've gone way long. But um, next week, I don't know. Anybody willing, do you want to just watch the whole thing? I'll have popcorn. We'll have, uh, uh, like I said, a potluck. We'll just make a nice little afternoon party out of it. And if we start at 4 o'clock or something like that, what did I say? We can do it 4.30. Let's do 4.30, and then we'd be started by 5. Let's do 4.30, watch the whole thing, um, and have some time to discuss it if you want. But like I said, I don't want to take away from our scripture study in waking you up, if that makes sense. So, All right, we'll pray. Lord, thank you again for truth. And Father, we've talked about some just worldly things here tonight, but we know that it's also biblical things too. I just pray that you would cause this to wake us up, as I said, that we would just seek after you with our whole heart, mind, and soul, that we would just go after your word and that we would no longer just be walking in, in a cloud, but walking in the clarity of truth of your word. So guide us and teach us and let us um, understand the world around us because um, we're not meant to be here blind. You, you've put us here to know what's going on. Even, even Paul understood the world around him. We know that this battle is not with flesh and blood, but with principalities, the powers of darkness and the heavenly realms. And we also know that you are the answer, that you are our Savior, and that you are our power, our strength, our hope, and our joy. May you be that for us this week as we continue. In Yeshua's name we pray, amen.